Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Before we get into the Word this morning, how many of you ready to receive from God? You ready for the Word? Hallelujah. Let's declare this this together. Amen. It's, you see it up on the screen. Let's read it out loud. And just, I want you to declare this by faith over yourself. And I want you to mean it, okay? Let's say it out loud together. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you. My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today, I am growing in the things of God. Say it again. Today, I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that that is true. We believe that you're growing when you come to this church. Amen. We're not a church that likes to, for people to stay the same. We want them to grow. Amen. Kind of like the tomato plant in your backyard. You want it to grow. You're not happy if it's not growing, if it's not producing, if life doesn't look different. If you can't look back on your life uh, you know, a year from now, five years from now, and say, man, look where the Lord has taken me. Look what he's done in my life. Then that means something's wrong. That means that we got we to gotta figure out what's going on. We got to be growing. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to grow. Hallelujah. We're going to grow in the things of God. I'd like to talk to you today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. My family and I were just at the beach this week uh, down by the coast at Atlantic Beach and uh, ate a lot of fried food, man. Yeah, praise God. It was good. It was good. We got a place that we like to go called the Shark Shack, and they make... uh, they make ridiculous seafood tacos, and my goal this week was to eat as many tacos as I possibly can. That was my beach goal. Some people want to look good with their shirt off. I just want to eat as many tacos as I can <laughs> when I go to the beach. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> bless the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We were down at the beach, and what often happens when I go there is I get a lot of quiet time. I get a lot of time when I can be by myself. Sometimes I'll get up, uh, and the, the way that the condo is situated is we, it's, you can, if you go out on the back porch, you can see the water. And if you actually, the room that Brianna and I sleep in is the master bedroom. Her mother gives us the master bedroom because we have children. And uh, if you open the back door from the master bedroom, you can hear the waves. So I'm, I'm always pushing to try to fall asleep to the sound of the actual waves, but oftentimes what I'll do is they'll wake me up in the morning. And so I'll get up kind of ahead of everybody and just go sit on the back porch and read the Bible and pray. And um, I got to do that a lot this week. I got to go and just sit by the water and just listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him some questions. And I got some answers to some things that I was asking him about. And I'm very excited about that. I'm very glad that I was able to spend some time with the Lord One of the things that came up in my heart was what I want to talk to you about this morning, which is the subject or the issue of thankfulness and thanksgiving. Um, we, We in our culture oftentimes forget this, the importance of being thankful. We have so much available to us all the time, and our abundance sometimes, though it be a good thing, how many of you know it's a good thing to have abundance? 
It's a good thing to have too much. You can be a blessing when you have too much. Amen? You can be, a, you can be an asset in God's kingdom if you have too much. But um, sometimes our, one, of the, one of the things we have to watch for, or be on guard for, is that in our abundance we can forget thanksgiving. We can forget the necessity of being thankful. And so as I was sitting on the beach, and actually as we were even driving down, we had such an easy trip down there, we left our Easter service and ran home and uh, changed real quick and jumped in the car, and bless God, the kids just, they fell asleep, and the baby slept like all the way there, and Abigail and Claire were so kind to each other in the back seat, and I'm just driving, we're about two hours yet away from the beach, and I'm just going... Man, I got a good life. We had just had such a great Easter service, and I just started feeling really thankful. And that thankfulness just kept going as the week went on, and, and the Lord began to speak to me and remind me of some things. So I want us to talk about that a little bit today. Is that all right? First Thessalonians chapter 5 is where our main text comes from. <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading in verse 16, the target of my scripture today, of the scripture I want to get to today is verse 18, but I want to begin reading in verse 16 and set the stage. It reads, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, how often? Always, when you feel good, right? When, you're not, when you don't feel so good. You still rejoice. Amen. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, 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 um, an attitude, a posture of life that God expects from his church. And that is a posture of perpetual thanksgiving and perpetual rejoicing. The word rejoice means to rejoice, means to joy again. Right? I mean, how many of you have had something great happen to you and it just caused you so much joy? You know, maybe you got married and you're like, praise God, that's awesome. Or maybe when you had your first child, you said, this is joyful. Or maybe when you bought your first house or your first car or you got accepted to the school you were trying to get into or you, whatever the case may be, there was cause for rejoicing. Well, the idea that Paul presents to us here is that that should not just be an isolated event. That, oh, I had joy once. Yeah, I got married. It was a great day. It's been hell on earth since then, but it's a great day. No, that's not the attitude that we should have. We should be rejoicing, constantly, perpetually rejoicing, joying again, reminding ourselves of the promises of God, reminding ourselves of how faithful he's been, reminding ourselves of what he's done for us. When you, when you live in a perpetual view of God's goodness, you can't help but rejoice. You can't help but be thankful. To the Christian who's not thankful, I say, you haven't looked at God in a while. If you're not thankful, you haven't looked at God in a while. You've been looking at other things. Right? We take our, we like, be, be like Peter. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we put them on the wind and the waves and all of a sudden we start sinking. That's a person, that's a person who's forgotten how to rejoice, how to be thankful, how to be glad for what you've been given. Man, you got a roof over your head. You got a bed to sleep in. You got warm food. Nobody in here is wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Right? I like to remind my kids of that a lot. 
when they don't want to eat whatever's put in front of them, which is rare. My kids love vegetables. But when they, maybe they don't want to eat what's put in front of them. I don't like this. Yeah, but you got it. It's food. You ought to rejoice for it. There's some people don't have what you have. Amen. No matter how bad your life, listen, you could be the poorest person in Watauga County and your life is still better than somebody's. There's somebody that doesn't have it as good as you. Amen. We've got a reason to rejoice. If you can't say amen, amen, say just oh man. (laughs) Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Does that mean that we should just start praying, never stop? No. I mean, if you, if you started praying and never stopped, when would you sleep? Right? When would you say hello? <laughs> you know. He's not talking about praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I like what, what I think it's the NLT. Uh, NLT or the message. One of the, one of the translations says, don't ever give up on prayer. I thought, oh, that's good. You see, these two things, the reason I wanted to read these two scriptures because they perfectly lead us towards what Paul is saying in verse 18 about thanksgiving. If you learn to rejoice no matter what circumstance you're in, and if you learn to never give up on prayer, it will be very easy for you to in everything give thanks. Notice what he says, verse 18, in everything give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, you can can give thanks when you remember that you're in Christ Jesus. You're not in the world. Amen? Unless you're not saved. If you're not saved, we can have an altar call and you can get saved. But if you're saved, you're not in the world. You're not part of the world system. You're not part of the devil's crew anymore. You're not part of his family. You've been translated out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of the son of his love, the Bible says in Colossians. We've been translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. That means that I'm in Christ so I can be thankful. I can can show gratitude. I can show joy. I can be thankful in everything. You know, God would not put something in the word that he would tell you to do if it wasn't possible to do it. We say, well, it seems impossible. A lot of things seem impossible. But the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whatever seems impossible in the scripture, you can do it because somebody on the inside of you is living that will help you. There's, a, there's, the, there's somebody called the Holy Spirit that's living in you and he will empower you and he will enable you to be thankful. If you want to gauge your relationship to the Holy Spirit, you should check your thanksgiving level. You should check your love walk. Oh, I think I'm super spiritual because I can prophesy. Yeah, if you prophesy and then you're mean in the parking lot, you're a dud. Okay? Check your love walk. Check your level of thanksgiving if you want to gauge your spirituality. Amen. In everything, give thanks. Notice he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. We're not going to ever be able to separate God's will from our attitude of thanksgiving. It's impossible to walk in the will of God without being thankful. Amen. 
If you've ever wondered, how many ever wondered what the will of God is for their life? Anybody besides me? You say, oh Lord, what is, what is your will for my life? What do you want for me? What do you want, what, what is your best for my life? If you've ever wondered what the will of God is, you can start here. If you didn't have anywhere else to start, start with thanksgiving and you'll know I'm in the will of God. Amen? Oh man, I hope that helps you this morning. That's good stuff. That's good insight. That's fresh revelation for somebody. I mean, if you didn't know what the will of God was for the direction for your life, you could start by saying, hey, I don't know the whole picture yet. I don't see exactly where God wants me to go, but I can start here by being thankful because I'm in Christ Jesus. And guess what? You're fulfilling the will of God for your life. A lot of people, man, they don't, they don't know. They, don't, they kind of wonder and they wander. Well, this will help you not to wander, and it'll help you not to wonder. Amen. Be thankful. If we're going to do the will of God in our lives, we're going to need to learn thanksgiving. Notice that it says thanksgiving. I was thinking about this, or, or how, he, how he writes it is, in everything, give thanks. This tells me that thanksgiving is not a passive deal. It's not just having thankfulness, it's giving thanks. That's a passive, or that's not a passive thing, that's an active thing. You cannot give thanks without speaking. Amen. Like people used to say this to my dad when I was little. They would say, oh, pastor, I don't like to sing during church. I have a praise in my heart. And my dad would say, well, big deal. If it's in your heart, it's supposed to come out of your mouth because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in you is by its very design supposed to come out of you. So when it comes to giving thanks, you can't do that silently. Amen? You can't do that passively. You can't just sit back and pretend like you're thankful. If you're thankful for something, it provokes a response from your life. You can't do it quietly. In everything, give thanks. Now, notice this. He says in everything, not for everything. Right? You may not be thankful for every situation, but you can certainly be thankful in every situation. Amen. You're not commanded in the Bible to be thankful for everything that happens. But you are commanded in the Bible to be thankful in everything that happens. Amen. There's things that have happened in my life that I wish didn't happen. But you know what? If I'm learning and if I'm growing and if I'm coming up higher in my relationship with God, then I'm going to be trained and I'm going to be learned to be thankful in the midst of that challenging situation, in the midst of the situation. Amen. That's the calling from God. We may not be thankful for every situation, but we certainly can be thankful in every situation, in every set of circumstances. You see this over and over and over again in the life of men and women in Scripture that we look up to. Paul went through some terrible things. Went through some terrible things. Went through some challenging situations. You know that if you're alive, you're going to go through challenges the only people that don't go through stuff are dead. Yeah. Think about it. The only people that don't go through tough times are dead. <laughs> we, have this, we have this situation where we go, oh, why, God, why? 
Anybody ever ask God why? There's situations I've been in that I'm not thankful for the presence of that situation. But I, if I'm learning, if I'm growing, I'll learn to be thankful in that situation. Amen. Say, what, what, why is this so important? Because this is a mark of maturity. This is a mark of growing in God. Amen. It's a mark of us coming up to a, a greater level in our relationship with the Lord, a greater dimension of grace, a greater dimension of faith. As the church of Jesus, we should be able to look back over our lives and say, man, I'm so much more patient than I was five years ago. Oh, I'm so much happier than I was five years. I got so much more joy. It's so much easier for me to pray now than it was for me to pray then. Oh, man, I, I really understand things in the word now that I didn't understand before. I should be able to look back and say, man, God's really been growing me. And you know what else? Your spouse ought to be able to agree with that statement. Your kids ought to be able to agree with that. Your boss ought to be able to agree with that statement. If you stand up and say, man, God's really been changing me. He's been helping me. Your boss ought to have been going, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. We can see it in your job performance. <laughs> your spouse ought to go, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't believe this guy. He's, he's totally changed. He's totally moved forward. God's been doing amazing things in his life. It's a mark of maturing in Christ. Life should never catch us in a moment where we're not able to be thankful for something. Life should never find you in a moment where you don't have anything to be thankful for. Even on the worst day, there's still something. There's still something that you can say, yeah, praise God. Praise God for this. Praise God for that. Praise God for this situation. Man, God's really done some good things. Listen, if you got nothing else, if your life is just the pits and you got nothing else to be thankful for, at least you can be thankful that you're saved. I mean, at the very bottom, very minimal, least, you can be thankful that you're saved. That you're not going to hell. Amen? I mean, that's something to be thankful for, right? You're not going to die before your time. Amen? You're not going to suffer eternity apart from the presence of God. You can live with Jesus forever. Yeah, smile. Everybody smile. This is good news. This is happy, good news, okay? If you're happy, just tell your face, okay? Just tell your face that you're happy this morning. Amen? This is a, this is a stretching kind of message, but if you get it, it'll, it'll cause joy. If you catch the conviction of it, it'll cause joy to rise up inside of you. This is not a condemnation message. I'm not trying to push you down. No, I want you to come up higher. I want us to grow together and come to a new level of thanksgiving where just every day, man, the birds are chirping and the clouds are there and the sky is blue and it's like a Disney cartoon every morning. Amen? Ha, 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 you know? And all of a sudden, just animals just start coming out of the forest and, you know. I mean, listen, every day doesn't look like that, but your attitude can. Your, your day can look like that, even when it's April 8th and you wake up and it's 26 degrees outside and you're like, doggone this spring will never get here. You can still be happy in God. You can still be rejoicing in your maker. We've got something to rejoice about, folks. We got something to get excited about. He raised me from death to life. He, he pulled me out of the kingdom of darkness and put me into the kingdom of the son of his love.
Amen. Hallelujah. We've got something to be thankful for. Life should never catch us in a moment where we don't have something we can say, yeah, praise God. Amen. Now, I want us to look at a couple things. Look at Mark chapter 8. I want to show you some examples here, or an example of thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving is an expression of faith. How many of you have learned that so far? Thanksgiving is an expression of faith. Oftentimes, the moment when thanksgiving is required is not the moment when thanksgiving comes easily, right? And so that means that in order to be thankful, you're going to have to do it by faith, right? Mark chapter 8, I want to read, let's see, from verses 4 down through verse 8. This is when Jesus feeds 4,000 people with a couple of tuna fish sandwiches. Okay? Y'all know it was five loaves and two fishes. Jesus feeds a multitude. Verse 4 says, Then his his disciples answered and said, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Let me say something real fast. Do you know that Jesus did this more than once? In this passage, he feeds 4,000 people. In Luke, he feeds 5,000 people. This miracle happened more than once. Just putting that out there. Just next time you think God's limited and doesn't hear your prayers, just remember, Jesus fed people supernaturally multiple times. If he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 4 says, Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took seven loaves. Watch this. He took seven loaves and he gave thanks. Do you see that in your Bible? What did Jesus do? He gave thanks. Well, now, let let me ask you, does the situation look promising? No. Seven loaves going to feed 4,000 people? Not a chance. Seven loaves couldn't even feed that group of disciples, much less 4,000 people. But Jesus not interested in the the math of the situation, okay? Jesus not interested in um, in the statistics, okay? You know, there's, there's a lot of people with a lot of statistics out there. You ever figured that out? And you're, here you are talking faith, and somebody's talking to you about some statistics. Well, you know, statistically, you're blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, but my vision is for this. This is what God called me to. Yeah, well, statistically, brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sister encouragement. Just, you know. <laughs> well, statistically... You know, this is what happens when churches come together. And this is what happens. And, and blah, 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 blah. Jesus is not interested in any of that. He's not, interested. He's not sitting there worried, counting how many people's in the crowd. Amen. He's just not. What's he doing? Giving thanks. Why? Because he knows there's a miracle about to happen. You see, Thanksgiving is a precursor to miracles. Amen. 
Thanksgiving, you didn't get that. Let me try it again. Thanksgiving is a precursor to miracles. If you want God to do miracles in your life, begin to be thankful for what you already have in your hand, and it'll grow. Y'all missing a lot of great places to say amen here. I just want to help you out. I want to help you out because this is big. Thanksgiving is a precursor to the miraculous power of God. You can see it over, thank you, Josh. You can see it over and over and over again throughout Scripture. And this is one of the examples. Thanksgiving comes just prior to God doing something impossible. Amen. But see, if you and I are so focused on the 4,000, if we're focused on the demand instead of on the supply, we're going to miss the miracle. If we don't learn to get thankful for the supply instead of bummed out by the demand, we're going to miss the miracle. Amen? Could you, could you imagine Jesus? I mean, you look at the picture of Jesus versus his disciples in this scenario. They're bummed. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Lord? Don't you see how many people's out here? Come on, Lord. 4,000 people. Come on. Let's just send them all away. Let's just send them all home. Jesus says, no, nah, man, you feed them. And they're like, Lord, Lord, how are we supposed to feed? Listen, I got seven pieces of bread here. Now, you know, a loaf was not like a baguette. <laughs> you, you know, this was not, you know, Paris, 1978. This was the first century in, in, you know, outside of Jerusalem. These were like pita breads, little flat loaves, Discs of bread. Can you imagine seven little discs of bread this big? That's like one package of pita. If you buy it from the store, if you go to the store and you buy some pitas, that's about all they had was one package worth. And Jesus is like, come on, man, go feed them. And they say, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I don't, know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you looked or if you noticed, but we don't have any food. What's Jesus ask? What do you have? He's trying to redirect their attention. Get them thankful for the seven so that the seven can become enough to feed 4,000. You see, I, we were talking about this building that we're going to get. If, if, if you and I hate this building we're in, we're never going to get a new one. <laughs> if we just go, oh, stupid buildings all the time, as if we do that kind of stuff, I can't stand this stupid building every time these orange carpet things are peeling up all over the place. These chairs always need to be read. You know, how many times have I tripped over this little carpet, this stupid carpet? Listen, how many, time, how many times do you walk through your house and do that kind of stuff? You're never going to get a better one if we're not thankful for what we have. God's always trying to get us to be invested and thankful for what he's already given us so that our thanksgiving creates a platform for the next level that he wants to take us to. So that our thanksgiving, which right now feels like the ceiling, pretty soon is the floor because he's taken us higher. He wants us to be thankful for the seven loaves so that we can feed 4,000 with them. He wants us to be thankful for the 48 gray chairs in this room so that the 48 can become 300. Amen. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Let's have it. Let's have it. I'm ready. Praise God. But you see, if we don't, if we don't learn to appreciate, if we're not thankful for what he's already given, we'll miss the miracle. Thankfulness precedes 
the miraculous. Now, watch what he does here, because I found this to be really interesting. He asked them, verse 5, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took out the seven loaves and gave thanks, and he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set Excuse me. He said to set them also before the multitude. So watch what Jesus does. Verse 7, he gives thanks. Or excuse me, verse 6, he gives thanks for the bread. Verse 7, he blesses the fish. They all multiply. I found this very interesting when I looked at it. Because I realized... As I looked at this, as I looked at this language that's used in these two verses, he gives, uh, gives thanks for the bread, yet he blesses the fish. This reveals that there's a connection. Oftentimes, speaking a word of blessing over something, or excuse me, speaking a word of thanksgiving over something, is speaking a word of blessing over it. He did, he did the exact same thing in verse 6 that he did in verse 7. It just translated it a little differently so that we would understand something. That to be thankful for something is to provoke blessing on that thing. He blessed the bread, or excuse me, he, thanked, he gave thanks for the bread. He blessed the fish. They all multiplied. Both the fish and the bread multiplied. See, if you want something to be blessed in your life, start being thankful for it. You want your house to be blessed? Be thankful for it. You want your family to be blessed? Be thankful for them. You want your car to drive better? Be thankful for it. This is the lesson that the children of Israel could never learn in the wilderness. Why? Because all they did was complain about everything that they had. Here's God appearing before the children of Israel as a pillar of fire by night, as a pillar of cloud by day, leading them around in the wilderness. Like Sean's dad used to say, how hard is it to follow a pillar of fire through the desert? Pretty easy. It's, it stretches from the ground up into the infinite heaven. How hard is that to follow? It's pretty easy, right? It's easy to follow God, guys. It's really easy to follow God. But here, here's God manifested in this incredible, miraculous way for the children of Israel in the wilderness. You go read about Moses. Moses had the most miraculous, powerful demonstrations of anybody in the Bible with the exception of Jesus. Nobody in Scripture had more miracles than Moses. God parted the Red Sea. He brought water out of a rock. He, he uh, brought healing from when snakes came into the camp. He supernaturally supplied manna in the morning for breakfast and lunch and quail every night for dinner. You talk about fast food. I mean, they, they wake up every morning and they look outside their tent, breakfast, every day. They did not have to work for it. And they weren't even in the promised land yet. They were in the wilderness and they still didn't have to work for it. That's a nugget for another message, but, but just write it down and think about it later. God supernaturally is manifesting in their lives to take perfect care of them. The Bible says the soles of their feet, of their, uh, of their shoes, did not wear out. Three million plus people for 40 years in the wilderness and nobody needed new shoes. That's incredible. But, but what they couldn't learn what they didn't ever seem to get 
was that if they would have been thankful for the miracles that had happened, they'd have got into the promised land a whole lot faster. They, would have, they wouldn't have had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. You see, you and I, if we learn to be thankful, won't have to go around the same mountain with God over and over and over and over again. We won't have to have to relearn the same lesson a hundred times over. All God wants us to do is learn to be thankful in everything. Amen. You don't have to be thankful for the wilderness. Just learn to be thankful in the wilderness. You'll get to the promised land a whole lot faster. Amen. Notice Jesus' language. Back to Mark 8 here. He blesses, or excuse me, he, I keep putting these in the wrong order. He gives thanks for the bread, and he blesses the fish. There's a connection between his blessing and his thanksgiving. The blessing comes down on things that we're thankful for. Amen. It exposes the world around us to God's blessing when we express thanksgiving. Now, go quickly, if you will, to Romans 1. I need to get wrapped up here in a few moments. Romans chapter 1. This is the consequence. I want you to see this because I think it's very interesting. There's a consequence that the Bible talks about when we forget thankfulness. Now, praise God, even when you miss it, God's still merciful. Amen. He's merciful. Maybe you complained on your way to church like I did, but God's merciful. Amen. But watch this. We need to know that, there, we need to know that attitudes have consequences. Praise God. Again, you missed a great place to say amen there. We need to teach our children that attitudes have consequences. We need to teach our children that life decisions have consequences. May, amen? You got a bunch of knuckleheads running around that never had a consequence that they've ever had to deal with in their life. It's terrifying. Someday these people are going to be senators. Okay? Someday these people are going to be mayors and governors and, you know, anyway, I'm going to get off my soapbox. We need to teach our children that there's consequences to things we do and attitudes come with consequences. Just because we didn't do anything, if we still have an attitude, that attitude still carries with it a consequence. This is one of the things we try to teach our kids all the time is, listen, you can be obedient and not be happy about it. And you know what? It's still hurting you. You can still do the obedient thing and have a terrible attitude about it and guess who's not getting blessed? Guess who doesn't, get, who doesn't reap the reward that comes with obedience? Obedience has a very clear reward. Amen. If we do, I mean, you go read like Deuteronomy 28. If you hearken unto the voice of the Lord and do diligently these things which I command you, then all these glorious things are going to happen to you. Amen. That's, the, that's what the Bible calls the blessing of Abraham. And it's upon us as the Gentiles through faith, Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 3. But you know what? If we, if we obey and we don't do it with the right heart and a right spirit, then we're going to miss out on the advantage. We're going to miss out on the reward that comes from obedience. God's far more interested in the internal dialogue that happens in your heart and mind. God's far more interested in the inside than he is on the outside. He'd rather see you miss it and do it with a good heart than get it right every time with a piss poor attitude. Hallelujah. So let's look at this consequence, Romans 1. 
I've, I've written down here in the page, the consequences of a thankless life. Verse 21. says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Selah. I feel like I don't even need to add anything to that. <laughs> right? They, they, although they knew who God was, they didn't glorify him. And they didn't thank him. They weren't thankful for the breath they were breathing. They were thankful that all their needs were met and taken care of. They did not express thanksgiving before the Lord, and it caused several things to happen to them. Number one, they became futile in their thoughts. Futile in their thoughts. Futile, I could say it that way. Futile. Do you know what the word futile means? Pointless. Pointless. These Gentiles who, although they knew who God was, refused to glorify him and refused to be thankful and they began to think pointless thoughts. Nothing that they imagined had any value to it. They thought futile thoughts. They became futile in their thoughts and then something even worse happened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. <laughs> you see, again, God is only after your heart. God's after your heart. He wants the core of you. Amen. He's not interested only in your behavior. He wants your behavior to change, but he wants your heart to change it. See, God knows that he can't work from the outside in. He's got to change, he's got to fix the heart first. And if he can get your heart fixed, then he knows he can get your mind working the way it's supposed to. And if your mind can work the way that it's supposed to and you can think the right way and you can be thankful and you can put your attitudes in check, then, you're, then you're, you're outside, your behavior is going to fix itself. Amen. And so God's after your heart. Guess who else is after your heart? The devil. God's after your heart. But do you know what? The enemy knows how this works too. He's after your heart too. So what's he going to try to do? God's going God's to deal with you by fixing the way you think, by, by seeing you reformed and, and um, uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind. God's going God's to adjust your life by exposing you to this word so that your mind can be renewed. How's the devil going to do it? He's going to do it the same way, just with a different source. He's going to try to expose your mind to all this other stuff around you so that your mind gets corrupted and you think futile, futile thoughts. And if that happens, he can darken your heart. They're both after the same thing. This is the consequence of a thankless life is that at the very end, you, you think you're wise, but you're really just a fool. Professing to be wise, they became fools, the Bible says there. Why? Because of two things. They didn't glorify God and they weren't thankful. I want you to see that glorifying God and being thankful go together. Amen. Glorifying God and being thankful go together. 
We will never be glorifying to God if we're not thankful. Amen. Glory to God. We just won't. Because you know why? It's like what I said earlier about, you know, you, you have some good prophetic service and you prophesy over somebody and it's super glorious and then we go out and, you know, cut somebody in the, off in the traffic or, or we do something doofus move out there in, in, the, in the street and all of a sudden the value of the prophetic word that we gave became very diminished because our attitude wasn't in check. Amen. You see, it's most glorifying to God when we live a lifestyle of thanksgiving. There are consequences to a thankless life. But you know what? This doesn't have to be our story. This doesn't have to be. You don't have to be in Romans 1, 21. It doesn't have to be your testimony. You can be thankful. You can be thankful in your life. Thanksgiving can become a fixture in your life. Amen. What's it going to take? What's Thanksgiving going to require? Or what's it going to require, rather, for us to have Thanksgiving? It's real simple. Start spending more time with Jesus. And start spending more time in his word. Feed yourself the Bible. And spend time with him. Not just five minutes on the way to work, uh, you know, in your car, and you real quick get in your list of demands for God every morning. Start with thanksgiving. How about this? How about this? Before you ask God for anything, thank him for everything you can think of. What if you started your quiet time that way? What if, what if you got down by the side of your bed every morning, 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 morning at 4.30 a.m., because I know you all like to get up early. What, what if you got down every morning and before you asked God for anything, you just went down the list of everything you can think of that he's already done for you. Lord, I thank you for my wife. She's an amazing woman, Lord. I thank you for her. Thank you that you brought her into my life at just the right moment. I thank you you're making us into an awesome team. I thank you for my children. I thank you they're blessed, Lord. You, you gave them to us. They're a heritage from the Lord, and they're blessed. Lord, I thank you for my church. I thank you that it's a place where God speaks, where people have encounters with Jesus. I thank you for my job. I thank you that it's blessed, that every time I go there, I'm super blessed because your hand is upon me. I thank you for my boss, Lord. I thank you for my coworkers. I thank you for my house, Lord. I thank you for every piece of clothing that I own that you've given me. I thank you for those four tires that are on my car, Lord. I thank you for the car itself. I thank you for the spoons and the knives and the forks in my house. I thank you for every cup. I thank you for every shingle on my roof. I thank you for every piece of wood that makes this house stand. I thank you for the grass in my front yard. I thank you for that rickety, stupid mailbox that gives me the mail every day. I thank you for relationships. I thank you for my pets. I thank you for every penny in my bank account. I thank you that I even have a bank account. I thank you for my friends. Bless them this morning, Lord. What if you just did that? Before you ever talk to God about what you want, what would your attitude look like? <laughs> how much more, let me ask it to you this way, how much more powerful would your prayer life be if you started with thanksgiving? See, this Romans passage does not have to be 
our story, our testimony. Thanksgiving in our lives should be a product of our time spent with Jesus. The authenticity, please hear this, the authenticity of our relationship with God should be expressed in how thankful we stay in life. The authenticity of our relationship with the Lord should be able to be expressed in our level of thanksgiving. Thankful should be our mode of living all the time. Amen. Every time. Just remember this. Your normal, your normal is somebody else's dream. Your bad day is something somebody else is praying for. The worst, the worst day on your schedule, the day that everything goes bad and you hit every red light on the way to work and somebody snags your parking spot before you get it and everything, everything seems to be going terrible. Just remember that that day on your worst is the thing somebody somewhere in this world is begging God for. The fact that you didn't get sat at the table when your reservation was and you had to wait 15 minutes and now that totally ruined date night. Anybody else been there besides me? I'm telling on myself. Okay? That argument that you had with your spouse that lasted 45 minutes all the way from Blowing Rock all the way to your house. You realize there's somebody who doesn't have a spouse that's asking God for one? You got one you get to argue with. Just kidding. We really love each other. We do. We don't argue as much as we used to at all. We've learned to be thankful for each other. We've learned to laugh at each other. We laugh at each other quite a bit. It's fun. It is. It's totally fun. You know, that that car that you just get so aggravated with, Somebody only has a bike and they're believing God standing in faith for a car and you've got three. The house that you sleep in that doesn't have any holes in the roof so you don't feel the cold outside in springtime when it's supposed to be warm. (laughs) Somebody doesn't have a house. You're normal somebody else's dream. Sometimes we, we, get, we get offended at things. They don't suit us the way we want them to. This situation didn't go the way I wanted it to go and now I'm bent out of shape about it. You know, we, I've gone through such a range of emotions over this building Especially as we're, as we're now getting, and um, we've got so many people that are out this morning. If everybody was here, we wouldn't, we wouldn't fit here this morning. Praise God, that's a good problem to have. I, I, I've gone through such a range of emotions going, man, this building has so, become so inadequate. It's become so inadequate. There's, we just don't have enough closets to fit children in. You know, <laughs> like we just, we just don't have enough room anymore. It's such a good problem to have. But every time I get frustrated with something that the building does that I don't like, 
I try to remember that there was a day when this building answered our prayers. When we stepped into this building and, we were, and I was like gobsmacked. And I was like, Lord, look at this holy ground. Look at this place. And I walked through this building and cried blessed tears because I said, Lord, this is amazing. Y'all remember this place when it had, when we didn't have this rug and we didn't have these pretty lights and we used to have to use those ugly ones up top. We didn't have any screens and, and you used to be able to see this door, you know, like we, there we used to, there was just so many things wrong and, it, and it's just like, man, you're never going to grow your church in this building, but here we are, here we are. And this orange carpet is ugly as the day it was when we came in here but we found ways to make it work. There was a day when this place was a blessing. It still is. God's still God, and he's still good. And even though certain circumstances aren't ideal, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet this morning. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.